All right. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again today. I'm excited to share another episode with my friend Megan. It's pretty cool because Megan has also started her own podcast, which I highly recommend. That is entitled Realist Idealist. You can find it on Anchor. You can find it on Apple. I'm sure there's other podcast platforms that I'm not super familiar with. Uh, Check it out. I think it's pretty good. We have a pretty interesting conversation that takes a few different turns today, but the topic we started with was critical thinking, and we eventually get into ideas around intuition and emotions and discomfort. It's a pretty cool episode. It was entirely unscripted, and we did, again, have some hooray audio issues. Still figuring this out. I'm doing this on my own and uh, learning a lot of things the hard way. So in um, I would say in my own way, it's trying to figure out how to work things the best with the equipment things that I have. So making the best of it from where you are with what you've got. That alone is a good lesson. All right, with no further ado, why don't we get to it? Here is our conversation. Are back here today talking to my friend Megan in probably sunny Colorado. Hi, Megan. Hello. It was sort of sunny. You're half right. Partially sunny. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today because you also just started a podcast. I did. Yes. Yes, I'm even more of a newbie than you, so you're, like, um, highly experienced in comparison. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, how is that going, and what is your podcast about? Tell us about that. Us, yeah, and and then I'm going to throw it right back at you, so uh, for Uh your take on it, (laughs) so be ready. Um, Yeah, my podcast is called The Realist Idealist. Uh, And it is um, me uh, talking about, you know, mostly what comes to my mind. uh, But I feel like, you know, one of the the niches that I tend to be in in any, you know, group situation, problem solving situation is um, I don't feel like that we can let where we are uh, keep us from being where we want to be. We can't use that as an excuse. But um, I'm not a Pollyanna by any means. So I don't feel like um, I'm the one to offer that like unwavering positivity, but I feel like I can bridge or help bridge, you know, some of those things. So, um, you know, the hope is that the podcast is, um, I mean, high energy um, as in high frequency and positive overall, but without sort of, I don't want it to be saccharine. a real positivity. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going for. Ooh. But what's your impression? <laughs> I like it because I like things that question and look for deeper meaning and especially ask some of the sometimes uncomfortable questions and shed different light into them, whatever that may be. I was just thinking today of I happened to be at the place I went to high school at, which was super weird because I have not been back there since literally, yeah. the, literally the day I graduated. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always weird. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> strange. And good gravy. Um, students look very, very young. I hope I was not that young when I was in school. <laughs> but while I was there, I was thinking about some of the memories that I had. And one of them was having a teacher in my... I don't recall if it was my junior year or senior year. I think it was my senior year. 
And the class was called Extended Studies. What we did was talk about different things from different perspectives. And it was a really interesting class. Uh, one of the people that was in it is now a lawyer. I think she's with the UN. Like there were some like very notable people. Wow. Uh, yeah yeah and you know like the guy in the corner with the opinion that contradicted many of the other opinions right would be me yep. <laughs> <laughs> it it was really good and in and working through that class and being open to different viewpoints and the other thing that i noticed when i was listening to yours is i had this amazing professor at the university of wyoming uh dr r mcgregor Colley. he was fantastic he taught and i think he still does teach political science and public policy he could talk and argue for or against any position i have no idea what his actual personal beliefs or anything like right. that are but it was fantastic <laughs> to to be have those two experiences of this is one perspective this is another perspective neither is right or wrong and i really appreciate that now specifically in the context of listening to your podcast, seeing some of the things that are happening in the news, reading through some of the environmental debates, the, the nature debates, our separation with nature, and seeing, wow, there are different perspectives. They're just different. It doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I can't talk to you because um, you, are, you are this color and I am this color or whatnot. Right. Well, thank you. Um, that's really flattering. Uh, and, and I think what I was going for. So uh, that's, um, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me and, and anyway, I, I think it's, it's fun. I mean, that's, that's entertaining to me. Um, playing devil's advocates, entertaining, um, finding new perspectives is entertaining. Um, you know, even if I don't totally agree with it or if I don't totally understand it yet, I think there's, there's an entertainment value in just holding an idea and seeing what happens. Um, and, uh, and I always, um, told my students, you know, we're just going to put this idea in parentheses. We don't need to be attached to it. We can check it out later. Um, and it's going to feel however it feels. It might feel uncomfortable. It might feel weird. It might feel really comfortable. Um, it might just be completely foreign and we don't recognize it, but we're going to put it in our, in our figurative parentheses um, and, and we can decide what to do with it later. Um, and I've, I've just found a lot of value in that. Um, and I value others who can engage in it, I think is, um, it just makes, it just makes conversation fun. Uh, and, and I don't know that we have a lot of that. Um, you know, something that kind of came, you know, into my mind recently is that we've, we've totally gone away from teaching any sort of rhetoric, um, it's gone. It really is gone. I have never taken a class called rhetoric. Um, maybe something that's, you know, a cousin to it. Uh, but that used to be one of the most popular classes in college uh, back, you know, when this country was being, sorry, I'm, I forget you have an international audience. If it's not obvious, I'm from the U.S. And when the U.S. was founded, um, you know, that was one of the most popular um, college classes. And it's gone. I mean, good luck finding one. Um, so just, you know, a, a shift in values away from um, valuing good conversation. And I want it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a podcast on this morning while I was getting ready at work and the author or um, host was referencing 
like the Federalist Papers and letters written in the 1700s and quoting them and hear, hearing that language that people wrote with and that breadth and depth of knowledge people had in a lot of different subjects. We don't really see that today. And I think it's important to be able to look at arguments, look at nuances and not resort to a lot of what we see of, you know, I am of this perspective, literally anything that's not this perspective is wrong and delete whatever. Yeah. It I know. And it's so one dimensional. It's like, you know, Oh my God, I, I would hate for my mind to ever truly, truly be made up. <laughs> that would, that would be no fun at all. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, I do, I do, we're, we're missing something. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely something that's fallen out of value. Um, and, um, I guess, uh, I mean, my podcast so far has been me <laughs> and not, and not conversations, you know, and, and maybe that'll grow later, but, um, uh, yeah, I, to the extent possible, I want to bring it back. I think that's why podcasts, um, you know, like yours and others are just really interesting because a lot of them are just about ideas. Yes, and I, I agree. And definitely, it, I feel like it's needed right now of just reconnecting to, to values, morals, um, to something beyond what you see in mainstream media or in a lot of cultural conditioning is like that openness to think and willingness to look at both sides in whatever form that may be, right? You know, um, for example, tax policy, immigration policy, defense policy, freedom to freedom from literally anything out there, I think can benefit. I mean, whether it's me debating various moves in professional sports leagues with some of my friends or, you know, debating the merits of the second amendment or something. Um, I think it's really important and thank you for starting that up. It's, yeah, it's an experience. eh? (laughs) It is. It is. It's fun though. I was going to say most likely the audio will fade off immediately as I say that or something like that. Cause no it's good and and i appreciate it too and what i wanted to seg you into was critical thinking oh critical thinking yes i, I think well yeah i'm going to use the word think a lot in this sentence but uh, <laughs> one of the things i've noticed and for me it's been from listening reading and then going to have my outdoor time to think about and reflect on things and oftentimes in the context of Trey Revs, like we talked about the previous episode, but I think that the critical thinking um, could be enhanced, be a polite way of saying it. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Yes. Um, You know, critical thinking, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the most popular word in this episode is going to be thinking. Um, So critical (laughs) thinking is something that I think about a lot. Um, so I am a high school English teacher, uh, and we are constantly encouraged to build critical thinking. Um, it's, it's a very pervasive subject in professional learning, um, and just in department meetings. Um, I think it's always on the forefront of our minds that we need to get people to think critically. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a value that, we at least give lip service to. 
but I don't know um, if we can call it a value because it doesn't seem to show up in our daily lives as much as it should for something that we talk about as much as we do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Right. Um, So, um, you know, it's kind of something I have been thinking about even before you posed this topic to Mm -hmm. me, by the way, we're, can I admit like that this is a pretty like, unscripted conversation (laughs) (laughs) hey megan want to talk about critical thinking that's pretty much i'm gonna have a beer okay that's it (laughs) that's pretty much it so we don't know where this is going um but this is actually this is something that i have been thinking about uh, a lot lately uh independent of of any complete lack of prep for this podcast um so you know we should see it more in theory. If it's something that we value, we should see it more. And I, and I've sort of started to wonder what on earth is happening about that. Um, and I don't, I don't know for sure. I, I have some ideas, you know, um, is it a, is it a blind spot? You know, do we think we're engaging in this critical process and maybe we're not? Um, cause we're very proud of it. Right. I mean, that's part of our, our humanness, right. It's part of our, our advancement um, as a species is kind of this ability to, you know, go into these high um, order thinking skills and, and to have these great ideas. And, and so it's something that we, we, we love. I mean, it's, it, we're so proud of it. I'm sure it was great though. Let's go with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So critical thinking, we're, I mean, to me, I think a lot of it is around, teaching people how to think or helping people learn how to think for themselves as opposed to teaching them or telling them what they should be thinking. Right. Yes. Um, So that is generally how we think of it is um, how to do exactly that. So how, how do you engage in a thought process? Um, I hopefully independent of any bias. That's obviously hard. Um, there are some things that we would really like uh, our students to leave education thinking <laughs> as opposed to others. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it is very hard to, to not have that bias, um, you know, and, and education definitely does have a bias. Um, you know, they're, they're, um, they're government schools, and even if they're not, they're supervised by the government. And um, you know, anytime you have that kind of consolidation, you have a risk of bias, for sure. And then just personal bias of the teacher. So, um, you know, it's it's tricky. Um, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to get right, I think. Um, but we try. Yeah, and I. Th- I will argue as well that exposure to some of the, what I want to say, non-traditional beliefs, I'm trying to think of a good way to say, or contradictory or beliefs against the mainstream, to have a different viewpoint on something is, I think it's essential to a fundamentally democratic or free society that we have different voices that we can hear. And those are things. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, You know, and I, and I think um, there's, you know, part of the challenge of, and again, I'll, I'll just, you know, remind everybody I'm in a high school setting, which is different than a college setting. You can definitely push the envelope a little further as far as topics and views. And, you know, you don't necessarily, you don't need to be as safe there. Um, 
I hope. I hope that hasn't changed that much. <laughs> At least when I was in college, that was the case. Um, but, you know, and, and high school becomes particularly challenging. Um, how much you can delve into the controversial, um, you just kind of got to feel as you go uh, with given your population, the types of students you have, the types of families that are a part of your administration, all of that stuff. Of, of how much you can really push alternative ideas um, and ideas that are maybe less popular and ideas that might even be flat out controversial um, and then particularly ideas that might be triggering because uh, if you trigger someone the wrong way, you know, it, it can turn into a mess quite quickly. Um, you know, so all of those things have to be balanced in an educational setting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And especially being aware of who, who you're working with and what those issues might be. Uh, discovered yesterday can be very, <laughs> yes. very important. Well, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing that comes in to play, which just takes a lot of art to manage, you know, is that one, it's going to be different every group, right? So, you know, it's like you have, you know, one conversation with one group and another with another, another group, and that's class to class, year to year, term to term, you know, things like that. Um, but then, but then you have to, you have to manage the group. So when you have the um, dissenting voice, which it sounds like might've been you back in the day, um, you know, you need to be mindful as a facilitator of, of critical thinking and conversations that hopefully build it. Um, you know, if that personality can handle that role, that's a hard spot to be in, um, to not be in agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so whether or not you need to kind of bolster, you know, that particular point of view and, uh, you know, I mean, and, and kids are young and they're learning and, and they're not going to respond perfectly. Adults don't respond perfectly. So it's very silly to expect mm -hmm. a teenager to, um, you know, and, and, and to kind of manage that so that this becomes a learning experience and, and a growth experience and a positive experience for everybody, you know, so that conversations like this are fun. Um, but, you know, depending on, on who's the voice, which is not something I appreciated as a young person. I, I did like the dissenting voices. I thought they were fun, but I did not appreciate um, fully how hard it must be to be that voice. Mm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember being, I don't remember how many people, but I can remember being one of God, around 25, 30 maybe. Um, this is back before school numbers dropped for uh, ratios sure. for student to teacher yeah. and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I remember it pretty much looking around and being like, wow, is it ironic that I'm sitting in this corner and also the only person? They literally this? put you in the um, corner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember it being challenged. But also, what has been really cool for me is to be on the other side in what I do now. Um, and I guess looking back at myself, it is definitely projecting a bit, but just someone that was coming up and saying, Hey, it's not wrong that you think that way. Like, it's okay to have an opinion and for it to be different, I think can go a really long way in helping a student or a person that might have an opinion that challenges them. Yes. The mainstream. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, to get a little support there. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, um, 
there's so many challenges, you know, whether or not people are going to hear you out, whether or not you're going to be understood, even if they do, um, you know, I'm, it, you know, it's, a, it's a hard spot to be in, um, you know, but something that I do think we, we need to encourage, um, you know, and, and, and in doing so, we encourage a lot of other really great things like um, empathy and um, authenticity and courage and, you know, a lot of other great qualities come out of, of teaching critical thinking well um, that are really worthwhile. Yeah, most definitely. And, and I, I'm heartened to see as well the, the different perspectives that are now being shared more widely about things that went on in the past or things that are going on now where there's not, in some areas, there's not as much focus on this is what the book says is what happened as much as, hey, here are these other voices. Why don't we consider what it might have been like to be someone that was in this position? Um, oh, God, like the example of, you know, something happening. Uh, wow. Trying to think of something that's not super controversial and the two things that jumped into my head are incredible. Hey, I mean, it's your, it's uh, your show, yeah. you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll take, I'll take one that I, I wrote about this in the eco psychology class I was taking that just wrapped up um, dam building and, you know, uh, ooh, I know it's a controversial topic. There's pros and cons each way. It makes you know, building a dam means jobs. It means we have resources. There's long-term benefits. It also means you totally fuck up the ecosystem. So how, how to benefit those and to have those things go back and forth. You know, I granted say that as a fan of Edward Abbey. So if anybody wants to uh, start page or duck, duck, go that, um, you can get an idea of what my opinion might be. Um, but yeah, just to, to have those different perspectives out there. Um, is important. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, you know, one of the things that I like doing if I can, I mean, you know, I can only do it to the extent that I have, you know, background knowledge and, and experience and stuff, you know, but, but, you know, I think I said earlier, I think I did. It might've been when I cut out, I don't know, but you know, it was, I, I I think I said earlier and now I forgot what I said uh, because I was laughing at myself Um, that, uh, I totally forgot my train of thought. We're talking about dams. <clears throat> Pros and cons. Dams. Dams. Oh, it, it, you know, is that I, I, I try not to be too attached to any of my opinions for too long, you know, and because it's like you find out more information um, and then sometimes it really kind of does alter where you stand on something, um, you know, or there just might be more things to consider, um, you know, so like, you know, for if, we're, if we can stick with our, our dam, our dam example, um, you know, that, sure, um, if we look at it from an environmental standpoint, I don't know if, if there's really an argument for having a dam, if we're just looking at that particular, you know, lens. Um, if we look at a lens of sustaining, like, a human population, um, you know, water, water's um, big part of that you know so uh you know coming from an area that's dry uh and really cannot naturally support our water sources cannot naturally support the amount of people who are here um you know dams end up supporting population you know so if you said get rid of the dam then you have to have to say like most of you need to leave 
Um, which maybe some of us are cool with that. I don't, you know, but like, you know, <laughs> but then long-term effects, right? Like, and I mean, I'm saying yeah. that in jest, but you know, but to stick with it, where do you go? You know? So it's yeah. like, you have this population, you have this population that needs to drink, um, you know, and so you need to, you need to provide the water and, you know, dams are a way to provide the water. Um, you know, so but then, it, but it all unravels. Right. And I think that's kind of part of what critical yeah. thought is. So then you start thinking about civilization and it's kind of like, okay, cool. Is this part of the civilization that's just not sustainable? Right. Like if we need to dam up all of our rivers and ruin our environment, how long is that going to work? You know, and so and all of these things come into play, you know, which makes um, almost any topic controversial or not, not have very easy answers um, if they have answers at all. Um, But I think hopefully the idea of critical thinking is that we can still come to a decision. We can still come to if we need to. You know, if it's not a hypothetical, we can still come to a decision about what might be the best case scenario, you know, for whatever we're looking at. Um, you know, and in order to do that, I think we need to consider long and short term effects, you know, and, and multiple vantage points. But also, um, you know, you're not going to win every single argument. You know, you're not going to win over all those lenses. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it, it really shows us that, you know, soundbite politics and soundbite decision making is fundamentally flawed. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, these, these simple, easy answers, there are many more compounding factors that happen with anything from that's out there. Um, gosh, a, a quick example uh, to save you from dams, I was listening to the Luke Story or Luke Story, the Lifestylist podcast. And they were talking about biodiesel, and I hadn't even considered this, but biodiesel a lot of a lot of the crops are spray, sprayed with glyphosate. So when you burn biodiesel, you're also now burning glyphosate, and that's going into right. the atmosphere. And I, I, oh <laughs> shit! I think that's I think that's what Luke said as well. So thank right. you, Luke Story. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it, it's looking at all those perspectives and there are no really simple answers with how things have evolved. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that example kind of reminds me of, um, you know, a, a thought that I've had recently at just how, um, I'm going to use the word dismissive, how dismissive, um, we've come in conversation, uh, and, and I don't know if it's cause we don't want to engage or we don't have time or we don't have the energy or we don't feel knowledgeable enough, or, you know, if there's an insecurity there, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, but I've seen it a lot. Um, I think intentionally, unintentionally of, of just, um, this desire to shut down conversations quickly, whether that means agreeing and moving on, uh, whether it means up biodiesel that seems better than gasoline moving on um you know or or whatever you know whatever the case may be or uh my favorite one the one that i've seen a lot lately uh, is something to the effect of Mm -hmm. should i be concerned about x y or z and then twisting it to um well it's not as bad as a b and c hey now (laughs) we're talking about x y and z here not a b and c um you know and and so um you know which which i think would just be plain fallacy i don't even know if i could call that dismissive that might be a different example but um 
you know, of, of just not really um, honoring the conversation at hand, of not being willing to to engage in the conversation at hand. I was recently in a conversation about smart meters. Someone was concerned about their smart mm. meter. And, uh, you know, it started out okay. Like, hey, here's some sources. Here's what people say. You know, it was going all right. Um, and then then the, the, the voice, right, of, well, it's not as bad as your cell phone. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, but we're not talking about cell phones. And maybe we should, you know, that, and that's always my, my response. I'm like, and that might be a really worthy conversation, too, um, that we're not probably not having enough, right? I mean, we all carry our phones around and, you know, who knows what's happening. I mean, it's probably worth a really close look. But right now we are talking about smart meters. <laughs> and just because we've decided to carry around a cell phone probably without thinking about it at all, which certainly was the case for me. Um, now I'm thinking about cell phones, but when I started carrying one, nope, no concern whatsoever. Uh, so now it's, it's, I'm, it's a habit, right? You know, and so it's like, you know, that's not necessarily a logical response to whether or not we should have a smart meter on all our houses. But we can yeah. have a conversation about cell phones, you know, so stuff like that, you know, um, it, we've, I think just as, as a society, there's just a lot of, of sloppiness in conversation. Um, and I think a lot of it is to move it to places that are maybe more comfortable or to shut people down. And I, I don't like that on multiple levels. I mean, one, it's not nice. But two, I also really like conversations. So it makes me sad. <laughs> so I'm like, I wanted to talk about smart meters. <laughs> like, if you don't want to, then don't. <laughs> Why are you ruining it for everybody else? <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Uh, no, that was good. Um, you mentioned water because you are in a very arid place. I'm in a place where we're in the season for perpetual rain. Um, but that that's also a really good way to look at some of the critical thinking we have even around water. And that resource and how it is shifting and changing. I can remember, oh my gosh, how many years ago now? Planting some trees out on a property in Colorado and hoping that they would get enough water to have, to grow to fruition, probably not the right word, maturity. Maturity is a good word, to grow to maturity. Um, it's interesting, like the, the critical thinking we have and the different ways that seeing what's happening with our water and with our climate as well can be shut mm -hmm. down very quickly. Yeah. I mean, you just, you see, I, I, I don't know. Um, like I said, I don't know. I have guesses, but I don't know what really what's the cause of, of the lack of critical thinking. Um, I tend to think discomfort um, and maybe just a lack of knowledge. Um, and maybe that's, you know, in part fueled by sort of our, our really frantic lives we live, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it takes time to really research things. Um, you know, we have, we have a huge problem now more than ever about getting good sources for anything you would like to research, um, you know, in, in trying to find balanced, unbiased information. And, um, you know, I mean, that stuff's hard to get, um, you know, so I think, you know, maybe that's a part of it as well. Um, but I think discomfort ends up being a huge part of it. Just my personal opinion. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. I think there's, it's almost as though an, an identity can be created around different 
viewpoints and perspectives that one has, whether we're using the color system associated with American politics, whether it's political party here in Canada, um, those are about the best examples I have. I'm not super familiar with our listeners in Russia or Ireland or Singapore. Uh, I know a bit about New Zealand and Austria and Germany, um, but it, it does seem like it gets shut down very quickly. And I almost wonder, is that something of, you know, in a way of the literal uh, figurative sense of the wilderness of doing your own research and spending the time online to read about different perspectives, go into the Google Scholar or scientific journals and read what you can to get a better perspective or to take that, hey, this is what person X or station Y said, that's my opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think like certainly there's, um, I, I'm sure there's an intimidation around research, um, you know, particularly if people haven't, you know, spent a lot of time doing that. Um, you know, I think though, you know, I, I'm, I'm inclined to also say that there's probably a wilderness around the emotions that come up, um, you know, in mm. that we are not very good at sitting in negative emotions. Uh, And I think that's gotten worse and worse over time. Um, That negative emotions are just bad and those should be avoided. And so when conversation ends up triggering something that's negative or something that's scary, you know, and, and I don't know that this is, I think it's often not on a conscious level, you know, because if I said, hey, you know, person on the street in arid Colorado, we don't have enough water. Um, I think that's scary. I don't know if they're going to necessarily identify that they feel fear there. <laughs> you know, it's not like, it's not yeah. like, you know, their lives in immediate danger, you know, so I don't know if they would use that word. Um, but certainly that idea is very uncomfortable. You know, if you start thinking about it too much, I mean, really, what are you going to do without water? That is a very short term need. That's not a long term need. You know, that's, that's days, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, I think that some of these things can be very triggering to go back to the smart meter. Um, you know, I Mm -hmm. think that that is something that feels very out of our control. You know, there's, there's these electric companies and we're so dependent on electricity in general. Um, you know, and, and they just, they just want to put these smart meters everywhere. And is there something I can do about it? And, you know, that I think sometimes it's easier just to assume that they're fine and we can all move on with our lives. Right. (laughs) You know, instead of really going out and finding out if you really want one attached to your house. And then if you don't, what do you do about it? What course of action do you have? Is that going to be difficult or not? Um, is it going to be expensive? Um, is that going to be uncomfortable and scary? Um, you know, and, and all of this stuff comes up. So I definitely think there's, there's a wilderness around, um, around feelings that we don't go into much and not enough to feel comfortable doing it. And it's unfortunate. We're, we're, we're missing a lot of our um, emotional experiences right now, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's a very big focus on like, feel good, feel good, feel good. Oh, are you feeling bad? Here, pop mm-hmm. this pill or go immediately and not just sit with it. Uh, and at the same time, 
it seems like there's also a lack of people, maybe lack of people is not the word, that it's becoming a bygone skill of being able to just sit with a friend or a colleague in that uncomfortable space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we move to fix things uh, very quickly, um, you know, and that really, it affects our listening, right? Because we don't really want to hear it all out. Like, it's kind of like, oh, shit, this is getting bad. <laughs> so I'm going to go into problem solve mode, you know, like, oh, you, oh, yeah. you don't need to feel this way because, you know, of all these reasons or whatever, or we just start throwing platitudes out, you know, it'll get better and, you know, all this. Um, it's yeah. not as bad as it looks and whatever, you know, um, because we're uncomfortable, you know, but that's a pretty, I would, I'm going to venture to say selfish. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, that's a selfish, <laughs> it's a selfish reaction. It's a self-centered reaction is, is maybe a better word. Um, you know, because we're, somebody else is in their emotions. It kicks us back into our emotions and then we're actually trying to actually fix our own by getting them to stop feeling bad. <laughs> it's very inconvenient how yeah. you feel. It's making me feel bad. <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> Please feel better now. Um, you know, and so really it, it comes back, I think, ultimately to can we sit in our own? Can we sit in our own negative emotions and our own discomfort um, and just sit there? But really, like, Greg, what emotion have you ever had that lasted forever? Uh, exactly right like it's like it'll pass like it's gonna suck but it's it's just not gonna last forever and same with your happy ones you know your positive ones aren't gonna last forever either it's just it's just the nature of emotions emotions just they change uh that's their only constant right is that they change so um you know but but we are we are not very emotionally skilled i think uh, as a collective um, that's a skill we're lacking. Um, and we don't have, you know, w- with, with the strategies that we have for how we deal with emotions, which you're right, often involves drugs, uh, or involves vices, even if they're not drug related, um, or involves withdrawal or, um, you know, avoidance behaviors, um, you know, that we don't have a ton of experience with emotion, full stop. I mean, we just don't have a lot because we avoid it so frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would add as well that it's often sought to be rectified or for, for lack of a better word that's coming to my mind right now, fixed immediately, whether that's, you know, hey, you're a six-year-old in school and you're crying because you don't know why you just got kicked out of the room by the teacher or, you know, a, a student having a meltdown in a high school class, the focus is pretty much on, like, stop that right now, get back to normal. And I think there'd be huge benefits to have emotional relation classes or emotional processing classes because a lot of us do learn these things the hard way eventually over time after going through a lot of various coping mechanisms that you mentioned yes yes yeah i I mean if you're lucky you do um you know there's a lot of people that get well into adulthood and maybe all the way through it um without learning how to cope with them very well Um, you know, but, um, I, I agree. I think we could, you know, there, there would be a lot of benefit from, you know, I I hate to use the word education because, um, 
I don't always like that mm-hmm. word. <laughs> I don't always like that word yeah. and I do it. Uh, I'm in it, um, which is maybe why I don't like it. Um, but, but, you know, um, to, to teach around emotion um, and to, you know, as just part of, of, of growing up and, and raising children and, um, and our interactions with each other um, to, you know, understand that's, that's just part of what we do. But, you know, here, here's one of the dangers that I see in it, aside from all the other ones we just talked about. When, when we're not yeah. aware, uh, when we're not familiar with emotion and we're not well-versed in it, um, we're not as aware of it. Right. So um, and I think that's a huge problem going back to the critical thinking and how proud we are to be these very advanced critical thinkers. The bottom line is, is that most of our decisions are actually made in emotion and not in logic. So if we don't learn those emotional capabilities, we also don't learn the manner that we often actually use to make the decisions that drive our lives. Ooh, I really like that. And that is really true. On, I think on multiple levels too, whether we think of relationships or frustrations at work, frustrations at school, uh, people melting down because their flight was delayed for their dream vacation and what have you. That would that really resonates very strongly. Yes. Yeah. I think, I'm glad it does. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I mean, on one hand, it's kind of like, should we be better at navigating emotions? Sure. On the other hand though, um, I think, I do think there's a bigger part to this and that is, is and that what I just said, we're, we are just so unaware of, I think how we get to places in our lives sometimes, because we don't understand that there is that emotional component that's been really taught out of us and not just from, you know, medicate the, the negative emotion standpoint, that's really been taught out of us because, um, that's a lot of where our intuition lies as well is in, you know, being informed by feelings. Um, and we don't trust those. And we, we teach children not to trust that. There are better ways to make decisions, we say, and that's this logical thought process that so few people use. If there's ever evidence of so people, few people using it, it is now. We teach that out. We really, we do. You know, it's like that's, that's just an inappropriate way to get to... Um, to a conclusion that's an inappropriate way to get to a decision is to check in with your body and see how it's feeling and that's really what emotions are um you know so the little bit of emotion work that i have done that's that's the strategy that i've seen done is really dropping into the body okay so like what is Mm -hmm. like what what does this actually feel like as a physiological response you know and so you went you know my heart's beating faster my face is getting flushed I can feel like my internal temperature is rising uh you know it's like where are your eyes looking are they looking at one thing are they looking around are they soft eyes that have peripheral vision are they really hard are they closed um you know, things like that, like, you know, are your, are your muscles tense or relaxed, you know, and really kind of changing this emotion thing into a physiological thing. And then, and then observing that, you know, which gives you a little bit of distance from the experience, um, you know, and, and as, as part of the process of learning how to manage 
I don't even really want to say manage that. I don't even think that's the word I mean. I don't know if I have the word yet. Yeah. It's almost like acknowledge and respect in a way that your body is giving you. the information. Mm, Yeah. Respect. I like that. I like that because, you know, I don't know to say to manage emotions kind of has this attitude. Like there are these things that are in the way, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like, we, yeah, maybe we shouldn't manage them with drugs. We can manage them other ways, but either way they're in the way. I don't think that's, you know what yeah. I mean? I, I think, yeah, I, I want to push it a little further that these, that, that, that is really, I think where we, where we naturally derive a lot of information about our world from, and it's been really disenfranchised. And so, but it's still strong. I mean, you can't make that go away. I mean, good luck. We've tried really hard and have like ruined a lot of lives in the process. We can't make that go away. Um, You know, so we have to stop doing that. It's a bad strategy. That's not working out. You know, so we need to honor our emotions again. We need to bring them back into, you know, their rightful place in our lives. And that is a place, I mean, we do use emotions to make decisions. We do. Um, And if we actually acknowledge that I think we could get to a place where we can now actually work with both hemispheres of the brain we can work with the left side Mm -hmm. we can work with the right side we can come to balance conclusions that are not you know lopsided either way but I think the problem is that we are still really on that right side even though we're giving a lot of lip service to the left which you know kind of comes back to to where we started with this conversation of you know is it something we value? I think we try, but we have just, just, you know, yeah, just disenfranchised a whole, a whole aspect of ourselves in the process. And it's not gone. Sneaky. No, no, it, it's still around. And it's really disheartening to, to hear and to see how frequently you're like, oh, stop that. You're being too dramatic. You're being... Um, you're being too emotional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all those different insults isn't the word, but the, the, the phrases people use like, Oh, you're being ridiculous. By well, right. Your, your yeah. emotions are, that's the dismissive quality, right? Like, Oh, if you're going to be in your emotions, then I'm dismissing you completely. You know, that's, we use it yeah. that way. Yeah. And, you know, and connecting to that, that intuition piece as well of like, hey, if you think something's not right, that's something to, to pay some attention to, pay some respect to. Or, you know, I, I, I think of it too, if I'm out, I mean, the, okay, I live kind of near a trail network and there's a bunch of little branches and there's an, okay, actually, no, I was going to say you can't get lost, but the amount of times I give directions <laughs> to people on a well-marked trail that's the size of a Volkswagen where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Uh, oh, there definitely <laughs> is a way. Uh, but where's it going? This? Oh, right. J- just in, in going out there and connecting, like intuitively, you kind of think, hey, I might be going the wrong way. Hey, did I miss my turn? Um, you know, hey, maybe it's a bad idea because this doesn't look like it used to look like where I was going clearly on the trail. I will keep walking into the lake. Um, but I have seen that. And I, I often wonder, like, are we that disconnected from, from the intuition or from our natural senses beyond the five senses that we have or that we're told we have? Um, 
you know, that, that we're that disconnected from so many things. It just goes like, oh, I'll just follow the sign. The sign will tell me this. Oh, I'll just follow what this sign says. Oh, this says this. You should do that. And I think a lot of it, like, like you said, it comes out of emotions are not a good place to be. Or, oh, you look sad. You shouldn't feel sad. It's a nice sunny day. And like, well, I just got laid off. Why the hell would I be happy? Um, you know, just, yeah, just, just really, really sitting with emotions that we have. And I definitely agree that learning how to, how to respect and work with our emotions and as well, I think to, to recognize what they're trying to show us. Yes. I don't, I, I don't have any good examples off the top of my head. I'm not on my laptop, but you know, anger is showing us this fear is showing us this and starting to comprehend some more of those wonderful ways our body is trying to preserve and protect us and also to thank you train uh and also to be aware of you know hey what are these warning signs that are all around right yes um yep and and you know um there's uh some benefit to other people uh if we are not getting our information internally. It's a lot easier to control the external information, right? So it's a lot easier to control, um, you know, the sign on the trail. Uh, if you wanted someone yes. to be led astray, you know, you could do that pretty easily. You just mess up the sign, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, th- there's, there's benefits to some people, to some structures, uh, in our, in our society, uh, to not having people look inward. Um, I have always questioned, um, you know, if the sort of abandonment of intuition is intentional or not. Uh, and I think it's probably not intentional for the average Joe on the street, you know, like, I don't think anyone wakes up and they're like, I would like my kids to not be intuitive. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's doing yeah. that, you know, but I've sort of wondered from a more systemic place, um, you know, and then if you look sort of historically, you know, of, of which uh, types of people were sometimes um, targeted uh, as opposed to other types, um, if there isn't maybe some sort of uh, more purposeful um, crumbling uh, in disregard of, of these internal modes of decision-making that we naturally have and not even just decision-making, just wisdom and knowing and, and being and meaning and, um, feeling on purpose and, um, trust, trust is one of those, well, talk about lack of trust. Trust is one of those internal things, right? Um, I, I can trust somebody. Yes. In part because of, you know, behaviors, outward behaviors, outward evidence that I have, but I also trust just in part because I feel good about it. You know, that's part of what trust is. I feel good about it. And so I trust the situation. Um, you know, I've, but I've wondered that, um, the level of, of intentionality, um, from a historical standpoint uh, of, you know, if, if there were maybe times in history where that's been truly explicitly targeted. Oh, for sure. I definitely think the, the witch trials and uh, the Inquisition and some of the things we're starting to see 
recently um i think a lot of things mm-hmm. are and there there is a really big focus on don't trust your intuition don't think for yourself um this is what's happening this is what's happening and i really value people who are in touch with their body and who do trust it and who do see their emotions or notice their emotions and are aware of them enough to say hey you know, something doesn't feel right, whether that's, you know, you're walking down a trail, whether that's you're watching the quote news, whether that's, um, you know, traveling in a foreign country or being in the back country and not knowing where you are. You know, there, I think there's a lot of parallel. There are parallels in all of those situations. And for sure, it's I would say it does seem like it's intuition and working with our emotions and our internal feelings is something that is definitely, I would say at best dulled down. Um, And it is, I, I am hopeful. I am seeing more things around people who can work energetically or working with some of the more um, like tarot cards or Wicca or practitioners of, other ways of understanding or comprehending the world than science is out there. That's really good to see because it's not necessarily logic is the only way. Um, We can see a lot of the things that logic in fixing one problem then creates a whole bunch of new problems that you have to solve. They create a whole bunch of new problems you have to solve. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, For sure. Um, uh, you know, the, what we were talking about, um, you know, the other day, of sort of the limitations of, of the logic, right? When we were talking about evidence, um, which was sort of an, I wouldn't say it was exactly an aha moment for me, but it was like, I knew I felt that way, but I never did. I never knew why, which is something that I'm okay mm. living in. And I know other people are not. <laughs> And I know other people are not okay with me living in that place and I do not care. Um, I live there anyway, but I I often come to um, a conclusion without knowing why I'm there. Uh, And I I just trust that it will eventually come to me if it is at all important. Um, Or I might change my conclusion. I mean, I try to be somewhat unattached, um, as I said earlier, just in case information changes things. But um, I, um, so going back, going back to the teaching roots, um, mm-hmm. education loves data. I do not. I do not like data. I engage in data to the extent I can have my job, and that is it. Um, so, um, and, and you know, at first I kind of thought I just don't like data because I don't really like math, which, which is somewhat true. Um, although I've sort of I've softened to math more recently. Like you know, I think you know I've just had some trauma early on. <laughs> I'm a recovering yeah. math person. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, I, I just don't like data. Data is numbers. I don't like math. That's it. Right. And I'm kind of like, okay, I, I'm not going to think a whole lot more about it, you know, and then, it, you know, but it kind of started to become more evident that it's like, you know, I'm not sure that data is good for students, which, you know, is, mm-hmm. I can't say that at work. Right. <laughs> I mean, I might someday. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Don't put it past me. Um, but I can't say that at work. Um, you know, because we're so data driven. I mean, we're so that's that's such a source of pride to be data driven and to look at your data. You know, and I think in my view, it's kind of like ah, you know, education is like this art. This is about people. This is about the development of minds. Like, how can that be data? Right? Like, like you know, how can this is part of your journey? And how can I really um, put something as abstract as numbers into something as nuanced as a life journey that I'm just a small part of, and I hope a positive part, but I can't even guarantee that, right? Like, you know, what's positive for one person is maybe negative for another, you know, and it's all part of the journey. And I, and I approach it with a lot of trust that I am going to be the right part of the journey for that particular person and vice versa, that there's, there's a, there's a synergy here. Um, and you know, certainly not everybody makes everybody else happy. I've had challenging students. I'm sure I've been challenging to some of them. Um, some of them I appreciate later, some of them I still struggle with, you know, and all of that. And I just sort of, uh, I am happy to sit in that gray area. That's always been my anti, you know, mathematics and data stance. Like I'm too happy with gray i don't need enough i don't need answers enough to engage in your numbers i just don't need it um you know but i always thought education was much more of an art um and i i just thought it was it was cheapened um to make it a matter of numbers you know and that's kind of where i sat for a while you know until our conversation the other day where it was sort of like that's why i don't like data and i still don't know that i've totally articulated (laughs) our conversation the other day. Um, But other than that, we were talking about school data um, in response to uh, uh, coronavirus and whether or not it's spread in schools. And, um, and so we were talking about, um, so right now the, the CDC in the U S is using a private study volunteers um, to inform their school policy. Um, you know, which kind of brought up the fact of, you know, who should be performing data, who's responsible for data. Um, obviously, we don't want data too centralized because that's, you know, just leads to problems, right, um, of manipulating data. Yeah. You know, but if it's not centralized, then who does it? <laughs> you know, are we just, are we hoping? Are we just hoping yeah. someone does it? And what if they don't? Or what if they don't have the money to do it on a, on a large enough scale or the, you know, people to do it on a large enough scale to be useful. And then that data lags. That is very, um, it informs in retrospect, right? So, um, you know, I'm like, wait a minute. There's some big problems here that no one's talking about. Data's good. We like data. It's hard to mess up, or it used to be. Um, you know, so... Um, you know, and I'm like, you know, there's, there's some very big problems that I don't know that have been fully considered. Um, and, and any capacity that I'm aware of, certainly not in education. Um, I don't think in the current, you know, state of world affairs has it been considered, um, you know, and, and that data is slow. Science is slow. In order to do a good study, you need, you know, longitudinal data. And it's hard to get longitudinal data. It's just hard. So if your data oh, yeah. isn't timely, and not to say it's not useful. I mean, at some point it's useful. Um, but if it can't be timely and if it can't be useful right at this moment, 
then where do your decisions come from? And that is from the other side of the brain. That's, that's the intuitive side. That's what, that's what feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And we get into more as well, like working beyond the somewhat an individual level of personal life decisions, getting into something like the CDC or education departments, taking a best guess has a lot of significant ramifications on a lot of people. Right. Which is, which is what this situation has shown so beautifully, right? Because it's not like this problem with dad is new. Um, it's just that we didn't have maybe a situation where it mattered that much. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, like, you know, so someone's studying, you know, whatever they choose to study, whether it's health related or environment or whatever. Um, And, you know, but maybe the decisions uh, that were made around that information didn't need to be made, you know, yesterday. Um, And maybe it didn't affect as many people. Maybe we had time to really get that longitudinal data and to make an informed decision. We could kind of sit on it a while. Um, But, you know, it definitely uh, begs the question of what to do when you can't. Um, you know, when you can't wait on something like science, um, then you need something else to fall back on. And, you know, which is why having these nice integrated holistic brains are very important, but it's also why it's very important to foster that other side. Um, because we, we do, um, not deal with emotions well. Um, and a lot of us are avoiding them at all costs. Um, and so, we're not in a really good position to just use that either. You know, we're kind of stuck with nothing, you know, we're stuck with science that isn't quite informative yet. And then we're stuck with the, this skill set we really just don't know how to use it's there. Um, and we kind of use it in out of control ways. Um, but we don't know how to use it. And so we end up in a really stuck position. And then what do we do? We ask other people what we should do. (laughs) Yeah. And someone's going to tell us, right? Someone's going to take advantage of us. Someone is very happy to tell you what you do. Yeah. I was going to add with with the emotions and everything, what I've been very aware of since uh, our school year here in in BC starts in September. I think yours is August, right? Um, But yeah, since, since school started, the amount of road rage, aggressive driving, and overall assholery <laughs> on the road is significantly higher than it was before. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I granted, like I said, I haven't been on the road as much because people are being jerks. But it, it is something else. Like, so like when those emotions that I think people are struggling to process or acknowledge even or that, that misplaced intuition, maybe, you know, hey, I'm feeling something here. It's not going to come out at work. It's not going to out here. It's coming out on the road with tailgating, with cutting people off, with flipping bus drivers off, with, you know, going after people. It's been just an interesting observation. I can't say, hey, these are causing it. It's just, hey, you know, the roads, for whatever reason, are a lot less pleasant right. to drive. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, um, yeah, it's, it's just emotions are powerful things. They spiral out of control. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not, you know, honoring them and aware of them, um, you know, they come out somewhere. I mean, that's the thing. You don't really control those. <laughs> you can use them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and they can be informative, uh, but they, they can't really be repressed. 
I mean, it gets you in trouble eventually one way or another, they come out and it's not where you necessarily want them to be. Um, you know, so, um, and I think they can be very confusing to people, you know, and it probably helps to kind of spiral in sort of this, this fear, you know, but even like, you know, road rage, you know, I mean, it, it, it could be something as simple as just not feeling like, uh, your boundaries are being respected or that you have enough space. Um, you know, and, you know, we have to be careful. I mean, this is kind of getting into probably a bigger, you know, subtopic than we want to get into, but I think you need to be <laughs> careful because we can quickly go to disorder status there. Well, is it really a disorder or are we in a legit overpopulated, you know, world and we really don't yeah. have enough space, okay. you know? And so, you know, I think sometimes we are getting the correct information. It's just that information is so inconvenient much too inconvenient to work with, yeah. you know, and so we, we try to kind of fit it into the paradigm that we live in, you know, when our information might really be like, hey, like, this isn't a problem with, you know, the 30th story of this building. This is a problem with the foundation. Well, I can't fix the foundation. So we'll work with what we can. Yeah. Right. So it's like, well, you know, yeah, now you have an anger problem, you know, uh, oppositional defiance, ADHD, anxiety, depression. There's something wrong with you. Um, well, no, you're getting, you're getting information that um, we're having trouble assimilating considering what we're in now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny, as you said, that I, I was thinking of the multiple levels that that statement can be interpreted at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, there, there is a lot. And our, our emotions are guiding us, whether, whether that's for questioning things, whether that's for identifying a potential romantic partner, whether that's for gosh yeah which, which path to take when you hit the trails it's they're our guiding source i feel and we definitely definitely all as a species could could benefit from getting something getting emotional under i don't like understanding anymore <laughs> getting getting emotional comprehension and recognition we have trouble with language that's another problem awareness. different talk yeah. though yeah, yeah for sure Well, you know, I think maybe I'd like to end on this. For those of us, I like to consider myself part of this group. You do too. But, you know, I know there's more skilled people than me. But for those of us who are trying to work on our intuition and are trying to work on our emotional bodies and understanding those and embracing those and incorporating those into our lives, you know, I think um, the... What I'm asking of myself and you and anyone listening is to bring that into the open and not to hide that as much as we do. And I'm like totally 100% guilty of this, that I will make a decision based on intuition and I might tell three people in my life (laughs) that that's how I came to that Mm -hmm. decision. you know, for everybody else, um, I either don't explain myself, which is also okay. I can respect that. Or um, yeah. I'll sort of try to find some logic that works. Um, and I think that's just not doing people a service. 
you know, I think that everyone could benefit from those of us who are accessing that place more often to acknowledge and put into words and into language that that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. That, that would be hugely beneficial. And I'm going to add as well, if you are male or identify as male, there is a gigantic dearth. Is that a thing? We're going to make that a thing. Uh, there's, there's very few people that, that are guys that share anything. Like sure. That. Um, and it, it's been huge. I, you may have just uh, triggered the idea for the next episode to, for me to um, talk about uh, last fall and that trip I took with intuition. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really valuable to share that. Hey, you know, I can even think of things that happened to me during earlier in the day today where intuitively I was drawn to do something or something else that was what it was. It wasn't necessarily logical. It wasn't something that I thought about in pros and cons list and, and anything else of that nature. It was, Hey, this person seems like something's not okay. I'm just going to go over here and talk. Um, and, and that was helpful. Yeah. I, 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 I highly agree. I think our intuition is, is very under undervalued and I don't want to say underappreciated because I think we can all connect to, I know we can all connect to it and use it and appreciate the things that we have picked up from it. And that using those feelings that we have is a, is a great way. And by starting to share more of it, that, that will, I don't like the word stigma either. I need better words. <laughs> Language is such a problem. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I just to, to start spreading the word that it's okay to trust your intuition on something. And if something doesn't feel right, you can say no. If you have questions, ask questions. Uh, I, I think we run into, or in some ways in society, it's that shutting down of questions and shutting down of following intuition that has led to some of the issues we have. I would agree, certainly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know you've got stuff to do outside. Uh, I'm going to try and make it stop raining here. I hopefully can be successful. You can make it start raining here. Um, wait. Or snow. So say, it's gonna... snowing. But... <laughs> oh. All right. Thank you for joining me for that episode, friends. That was a lot of fun to record. Like I mentioned earlier, I was outside and we did have a little, a little bit of issue with the audio, but it's getting better and better each time. I want to thank everyone who's listening to this podcast wherever you are in the world. I checked out some statistics that the little uh, podcasty deal shows me on my dashboard, and there's people from around the world. So that's really exciting for me to see Singapore and Russia, different states in America, different provinces in Canada, Britain, Mexico, uh, New Zealand, Austria. It, it's exciting. So thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Again, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free, shoot me a message. I can be found on Instagram at cactusmoose, all one word. We might do an episode about where that came about one day. But yeah, just want to say thank you very much. I hope everyone got some fresh air today, and I hope great things are happening for all of y'all. Take care.